0: Not necessarily a doomsday countdown. People call it the singularity. singularity, 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 singularity. And, uh, dude, that's, are we ready to like drop another big today, it's dude? Ready to predict. drop it
1: right now. It's like Coming by at call. you. By uh, let me check what episode number well, it is yeah, really discreetly here. <laughs> yes, I'm correct. Episode 25 of the Unwise Index starts right now. My name is Akshay. Joined as always by Monik. Hey man, how's it going?
2: It's going well, man. Uh, I'm treating myself today. I got a little bit of everything. I got incense burning in the background. I got mood setter. A caramel latte here on my right. I have fireball on my left. And in the middle, Blinked. I got some nicotine. What more could you ask for?
1: So, okay, let's, let's go clockwise. All right, so left fireball.
2: Left fireball, yeah. I had okay, a little so- bit of fireball left from uh, like two or three casts ago. Dug up the bottle, and I'm like, you know, it's it's cast. I'm gonna have to finish this fireball out. I mean, you, you got to finish the fight. Yes. <laughs>
1: um, center is nicotine, so I'm just imagining it's like a block of nicotine, just like a chalky block of nicotine. You,
2: you know, just... I, I should probably try some of the nicotine gum that's out there. Um, yeah, looks good. It, no, I, I'm sure it it works, right? Because I've been on this jewel pod for a while now, probably like a year and a half, two years. And I start and stop. I'll stop for a month or two, and I'll get back, and maybe in another cast we'll talk about addiction. <laughs> My addiction. to I mean, nicotine. you're just a member of the of the vape nation. Vape nation,
1: of course. Yeah, I mean, it's more than just an addiction. It's a it's a cultural affiliation.
2: The thing about the vape is, like in cigarettes, it's it's bad for you, right? You smell bad. With the mm-hmm. vape, you get the benefits of nicotine, the health benefits of nicotine. Uh, there are there is such a thing. And you get the beautiful experience of blowing up some fat vape clouds, dude. There's nothing better. Blowing up a fat that, vape cloud with, like, donut holes and stuff, like, that's that's some good stuff, man.
1: That is true. Uh, just 30 – I mean, we can go into this if you want more
2: depth. But what is the key health benefit of nicotine again? Uh, well, it's been shown that if you're on nicotine, it helps you lose weight because uh, it curbs your appetite. It Actually, there's some nootropic effects of nicotine as well. Um, so it speeds – you know, general thinking, and, and uh, there are benefits, dude. I'm going to Google this shit later. <laughs> all right, all right, I used yeah. to know. I used no, to know just... a lot more detail about well, this. Well, you know,
1: it might tie into our topic today, because imagine if uh, artificial intelligence got its hands on nicotine, what would happen? I don't know. Well, dude,
2: this is the thing, right? Like AI can't partake in the pleasures that we can partake in, which will influence its ability to build general knowledge, right? Like an AI is not going to be able to taste the beautiful nature of fireball, cinnamon, whiskey, or feel the pleasure of, you know, menthol jewel vape, can they? Without that beauty, there's no call to higher being. That's that's what I'm saying, and that's going to be a that's actually one of my hot takes on AI, dude. It's never going to reach a level of super intelligence because the the concept of emotion and the conscious experience is not as relevant or seen in the way people talk about AI today, but we'll we'll, we'll get into all that. We'll get into we'll all
1: put that. that in the parking lot. So okay, we're at the center of the clock, sort of, or the half clock. Right on your right hand side, you said you have a caramel latte.
2: Yeah, it's a little. Uh, it's almost done. Um, you know, I need a little bit of caffeine to spice it up. So absolutely, I got a triple shot, sixteen ounce caramel triple latte. Triple shot. Triple shot. Damn, dude. I'm ready to go. This gas man. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna.
1: You know, I just have this this lowly cup of coffee and some water. We'll see what happens. I might not be able to keep up. You might actually ascend to a different grade of intelligence over me in this conversation. <laughs> so, yeah, as you might have, surmi- so we'll see if Monik's, uh consciousness holds up throughout this session. Yeah. Um, but the goal was to talk about what we were meant to talk about last time, which is AI superseded by, you know, the cosmic intelligence of the current age, Kanye West. So we had to talk about that. Yeah. Um, but now, the, the, the you know, AI is a broad topic. So we wanted to go into, you know, this is like an intro cast, I guess, of sorts around all of the hubbub around AI. Like, what's all this fuss about around, you know, Elon Musk and like other people talking about superintelligence emerging, potentially killing all of mankind? Right. You know, what are these different definitions? Um, and, and just go into some of that and whether or not we believe, uh, you know, some of the hype or some of the fear that's circulating around,
2: right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think probably a good place to start for the listeners, uh, is kind of talking about the types of AI, because there's a gradation, a hierarchy, you would say, right? A hierarchy? Of different types of AI, right? <laughs> Go on. Yeah, well, so I mean, the most common AI uh, in our day-to-day life is ANI, you know, narrow AI. There's one area of specialization. This is, I mean, you can look at this in the AI, and let's say in Google search, or the AI that exists in some self-driving cars. Um, and a lot of the AI you hear about when people are you know, building AI to play one specific game, let's say chess, right? And that's yeah, happening and think, right now, right? And that, that has been done in multiple different fields and is getting uh, more fluid and, and easier to duplicate.
1: Right. and It's, it's getting more, com- like, like the forms of narrow intelligence, right, ANI, as you said, are getting more sophisticated, right? So it's gone from being able to, you know, have a computer be completely dominant in chess um, you know, through both what is called supervised and unsupervised mechanisms of learning, um, which you can read about online, which are basically like ways in which like an algorithm can actually, Learn from like data that exists, or learn from simply the win conditions that you specify. Right? Um, how to win different types of games, and that's now evolved into like you know winning very complex games like Go, um, and also what's cool, and I think this ties into what we were just talking about before the cast, BlizzCon, um, like being dominant in StarCraft and like right. big complex games as well.
2: Yeah, and that's actually that you called out AlphaGo because that's one of my favorite uh, examples of the threat of AI. Because you know there's there's two camps. There's one camp. Uh, folks who are saying that the, the transition from a narrow AI to a general AI, which is you know an AI that is smart as a human across the board, the the delta is so large and the gap is so large that we're never going to get there. And then there's another gap between a general AI and a superintelligence, an ASI. But the AlphaGo example is really cool because there's this great interview with Elon Musk, who is usually the individual who's kind of raising the alarm on AI for years now. Uh, and. He basically called experts in this interview, AI experts, that is, as fools, because a lot of the AI experts basically are are usually falling in the camp of AI is not a threat. We're never going to get to a super intelligent AI anytime soon. And his main argument is the rate of improvement is exponential, and that cannot be taken for granted. Like in the AlphaGo example, in about a span of nine months, I think the example was, in a span of nine months, AlphaGo went from not beating anyone to beating the world champion to beating all of the top 100 players while playing simultaneously. And then right. there was AlphaGo 0, which beat AlphaGo 100 to 0. <laughs> right? Like, uh, yeah. it, it, And that was all in a span of nine months. So the, the rate of improvement is at times unfathomable, right? which makes it hard to predict what is actually going to happen with some of these narrow AIs or evolving to general AI or uh, or going forward past that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I think that that's a key. I think that that does strike a little bit of unease, at least into into me. It's like when you describe that on like a nine month timeline. Right. um, And and you and and you're trying to basically implicitly make this make the conjecture that like, oh, it's still bounded. We still understand what's possible on the span of like 10 years or 15 years. It's like. Do you really? Right. Um, And I think like, so that's again a very sophisticated form of what's called narrow intelligence. And like you said, there's this difference between that and what's called AGI, so artificial general intelligence. And this is the idea that without sort of explicit programming um, or, you know, without having a set of Kind of like you can think about it as like algorithmic predispositions that allow you to be good at something like Go. Right. You could also be good at like like you said a multitude of other things, or generally good at learning, you know, things in the way that a human could. Where you can learn a language, you could learn, you know, how to how to solve some sort of like dexterous task. Right. You could learn how to, you know, build a space shuttle. Um, like like there's nothing that sort of like conceivably stops you from being, uh, like, uh, competent across domains. Right. Um, and and we don't really I don't I think it's you know it's like a point of, I think, you know, heavy debate in computer science about, like, could you actually ever define that in the way that, like, a human is truly intelligent? Right. Um, and I think there's, like, there, there's nuance there because it's like, well, even if you can't make it exactly like a human is intelligent, could you make it close enough so the difference doesn't
2: really matter? Right. Right. Um, and, and the thing, the crazy thing is that, you know, there's already plans of how we get to that AGI where, like, the three yeah. major paths people talk about is, which make a whole lot of sense, is number one... We kind of plagiarize the human brain, right? We we take the human brain and, and try to build that in a narrow AI system and then hopefully it evolves to a point where it gets to AGI. And that's this this concept I think is really powerful in the AI movement, which is recursive self-improvement. Right? You you build the algorithm so it constantly improves itself, so therefore it almost solves the problem of getting to a general AI just by virtue of its own existence. Um, and I think that's a pretty fascinating concept.
1: Yeah, I think it's um it's theoretically interesting, but I do like you're putting faith in the, like I, I guess I don't know well enough about like why technically that would be, like uh, why why continuously recursively improving a narrow AI would it allow you to get to a general AI. Sure. It's like you could get really. I just don't know. It seems like it's sort of like a categorical difference
2: between the two. Um, but like maybe that's just my own ignorance. Well, I think people frame it in the sense of like you could consider uh, consider an early uh, prehistoric mammalian brain as a narrow ai or a narrow intelligence and you know all the cycles of evolution over a millennia have now built this conscious being could you now basically speed up the cycle of internal evolution if you plagiarize the brain of a narrow ai to get to an agi at least that's what i understand the argument to be
1: i think it is an interesting idea yeah. i mean this gets to a point that i've often thought about and like i think It's more of like, you know, the more time that goes on, the more I think it's just like a comfortable idea that I tell myself. But it's like, can the human brain, like I've always doubted whether or not the human brain, like a human brain or a collection of human brains can truly ever understand the totality of the human brain. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, can we actually as humans really understand every governing principle about what makes us intelligent? Like, is it like a divide by zero problem? Right. Um, and like again, maybe maybe may in uh, like to to get to hundred percent understanding, it might be, but to get to ninety nine point nine repeating, maybe not. Right.
2: Yeah. And I think and that's why I think the recursive idea is interesting, where you basically build the soup, the environment of where things gener- were generating from, and and see what happens right over time. Yeah. Um, and then you get to the super intelligence, right? Which ASI. Is ASI, which is like. The next level, next level stuff, dude. That's the scary stuff, man. The ASI, um, and it's like a lot of people corporalize the ASI as you know, is. This going to be an intelligence that's kind of an oracle of sorts that answers any question, or you know, a genie which you can like tell it to do something and it just figures out and executes on the command, or like more a more sovereign entity which has some component of free will to pursue to, pursue its own goals, which uh, I think is the scary reality for the human race is.
1: Yeah. And I think yeah. like um, there's a number of, I think people who are good at describing what this is and like how it approximates, like, you know, it would approximate the closest thing we could conceive of to a God of sorts right. where it's like, um, I think Sam Harris does a good job of describing it. I think Neil deGrasse Tyson does a good job of describing it where um, like the ASI is like the hockey stick. I think about like the hockey stick part of the intelligence curve right. where, um, like it's gotten to a point where it is recursively, like you said earlier, getting more, it's already generally, generally intelligent, like it got to that, that sort of step. Um, and now it's it's exponentially getting more and more intelligent beyond that at a rate that's like, Again, growing exponentially, so it's like we can't really even conceive of what it means to be exponentially more intelligent than the plateau that we would have started at with it. Um, And so it's like if it can, if it's like basically, you know, borderline omniscient, and it can, you know, compute millions of times faster than we can, and much more sophisticated uh, in a much more sophisticated manner than we can, like, and it can control, you know, you know, the physical plane you know, sort of information processing. Um, the question is, how does it view humanity? Does it care? Um, and is there any hope of something that is getting that much more intelligent over time? Again, approximating like a, a god um, right. of, of sorts, like being within our control
2: at all. Right, exactly. I mean, and that's, I think, the, the attitude that, you know, folks like uh, Sam Harrison and Elon Musk take, which is... You know this fatalistic attitude which which is this will happen just by virtue of the fact that the amount of intelligence that humans have is going to decrease over time uh the amount of artificial intelligence is going to increase over time and we have no idea if their goals are going to be aligned with us or not so it's either could be incredibly great um and you know take us on the verge of i think that the dichotomy people explain is either this is you know a path of the extension of our species or the path towards immortality of our species dependent upon how the super intelligent AI uh, performs and what, what goals it self-directs itself to.
1: Yeah, no, no, I think that's that's like the, and it's I think it's become more and more, so like, you know, I think it's become more and more front and center again, like you said, because there are people specifically who are high profile and talking about it, but also because we're starting to see more and more examples of narrow AI doing very sophisticated things. Right. Um, and I think uh, – so we'll get into, I think, some of, like, the the papers and the policy proposals that have been put forth around how to basically – around what they're calling is AI safety yeah. to try to, like, uh, you know, prevent or, like, control this from happening. The, and we can also talk about whether or not we think – if you actually buy into Musk or Harris's argument, like, if any of this is actually ever going to prevent something like that from happening. Right. Um, but but I, I do think it's – yeah, it's a really interesting fatalistic viewpoint, Um that might be true, but what's interesting is there's a whole body of people, I guess, on the other side that kind of look at them with a very skeptical eye and say, like, you know, we're just starting to see like sophisticated narrow AI, and you're talking about terminator type scenarios. Right, right, right. Um, and, like, it might be a little early for that, is like one, one form of the argument. But we can get into whether or not that's
2: valid as well, right? Right, right. Um, no, absolutely. And I, I think, it, it, you know, it, that's kind of going back to Elon's argument around those experts have a bad batting average around. The scope of influence of the narrow AI improvement, right? So it's yeah, um, it, it's hard to say. I, I, I actually really like his phrase uh, that the human species are the biological bootloader for AI.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna say that. I love that. Like, because he's like, he's like, if you think about it, it's like. We're trying to, you know, we're, we're just, we have this impulse, you could argue, to just build and to be technologically associated as a species. And he's like, towards what end you have to wonder? Right. Um, and it's like, what if, in, you know, in the long expanse of history, it turns out that, yeah, we
2: were just the bootloader to bring AI into the world. Right. And maybe uh, that's which... the path for immortality, man. Would you jack in, dude? If there was an AI and we figured out the input and you could be part AI, part human, would you be the first to sign up or would you wait for, uh, to get beta tested a little bit?
1: Well, having seen how software gets developed up close and personal, <laughs> I think I'd probably wait. Uh, no, it's like, you know, let somebody else get, get hit the bug's face first. No, but I think you reach you, you just hit like an interesting point, which is the other thing that he, that, that's the compromise or that's the different state that, that Musk and others have put forward, which is the best outcome, perhaps, if you argue that you really can't stop this from emerging is like, to diffuse with it to some extent or to have right. augmented intelligence where the human intelligence is somehow inextricably linked um, in some sort of co-governance with the with the super intelligence right and and I, it feels like i both understand that claim but i also it seems kind of dubious if you buy into their argument right it's like what what's would what, it's like us being fused with like a mollusk right right it's like um okay i guess like you know the the this like the species with like a fraction of the intelligence is fused to me, but like what is it actually? It, how does that change the dynamics or the potential dangers? Right.
2: Yeah, I mean, it either be perceived as like a parasitic relationship. The AI would perceive it as a parasitic relationship. It's like, right. oh man, I got this body. It's got to eat and stuff, and like got to keep track of it. Or it views it, which I think could be interesting. Is that there's, you know, parts of the human experience that. I don't know how, can, how they could be replicated, and there might be inherent value in AICs in keeping that thing around. Right? Enjoying this beautiful fireball, you know, maybe the AI wants a little part of that, a little taste. Or maybe, like in the movie The Matrix, which we both love, <laughs>
1: it just wants us for our battery energy. Oh, no. And it's, con- it's content to let you think you're drinking fireball while it observes your neural patterns in the simulation.
2: Welcome to the real Yeah, the machines, dude. That's my favorite monologue. (laughs) Weird aside, one of my favorite lines
1: in anything is still like when Morpheus gives Neo like that goopy food, and he's like, "It's got everything the body Uh, needs."
2: Yeah, dude. Oh man, that movie. God damn, it's good.
1: It's it's gonna be. They're gonna look back and be like, "Wow, they actually made a movie that described the future, and they didn't even know it." Yeah. (laughs) Oh man, and Keanu will save us all. The one. Um, okay, so we can maybe get into some of the AI safety stuff, if, unless you had, um, I don't know, do you have any other thoughts on just the notion of superintelligence where we dive into
2: some of the, the safety stuff? No, I think we talked about the, the basics. I mean, the, the, the scary thing is, you know, how far the tech has come from a, the perspective of the threats it has on human society today, right? Um, yeah. I think that's a pretty interesting thing we can jump into now.
1: Yeah, so like um, OpenAI, which is uh, this sort of like consortium that Musk and some of the guys from Y Combinator and others are a part of, um, uh, along with like people at Nick Bostrom's Institute, who's like a famous AI research, eth- like AI ethicist um, out of Oxford. Like basically, there's like this like you know Justice League of people that put together this paper on AI safety. Um, and I'll say like I appreciated like the the like contents of the paper it actually had a pretty cool design to it as well if you like go and read it, it as like cool font um, that's where our marketing kind of, intern went, dude. Yeah, that's like, exactly. I think our marketing intern got hired there. He's trying to, he's trying to do something trivial, like stop the rise <laughs> of the machines or something. Um, and but anyway, it's like I thought. Like so, the executive summary opens up, and I think like the recommendations are a little fuzzy, which is like, and we'll get into those where it's like, you know, we should have like policymakers learning more about AI, researchers should be working closer with policymakers. Dude, this shit was and, like,
2: like the like the string of platitudes. <laughs> it's like I know. Does kindergartners know. write this shit, dude? Like one of the know, one of like, the things was like best practices should be developed. I'm like, no shit, dude.
1: <laughs> like thank you for writing my sophomore year like paper. This like uh, to
2: me it read like a, a like 40 people got in a room for a workshop and nothing can be decided because there're too many cooks in the kitchen. And yeah. there's no decisive leadership in that room and they came out with yeah. these like yeah, like bullshit statements, <laughs> right?
1: Like, yeah, totally. Um, and well, like, so. So to be fair to them, that those are like the recommendations, and you could be you could yeah, argue yeah. that they're all AI fatalists and don't know what to do. So the recommendations were kind of like yeah, a little lukewarm, so to speak. Yeah. But I thought their breakdown of the threats were interesting, yeah. right? So yeah. they basically categorize like the threat landscape as like okay, so if AI emerges or people start to invest more and these things that become harder and harder to govern um, you're going to have basically three changes in the landscape of threats so to speak right mm. so expansions of existing threats so sets of actors rates of those attacks that we currently see today sets of potential targets so like think about current terrorist you know sort of like motifs or like other ways in which people can cause mayhem being augmented in like a perverse way by ai yeah. right and cheaper uh, or and,
2: like, and easier to scale right like instead of exactly. a phishing scheme that cheaper, you have cheaper, to like, easier manipulate to scale. you just scale it up 10x.
1: Yep. Exactly. Um, and then uh, so there's also like, so that's like not a new category of threats, but just like existing threats getting easier to undertake. Right. Um, and then there's like the second category which is new threats. So attacks that would have otherwise been impractical by humans now being possible thanks to like the like the presence of these AIs, right? Um, and then there's like the third category, which is attacks that will change in character altogether. So they'll be like fine-tuned this is, I think, the most interesting category, which is like if you assume that AI systems are governing more and more critical things, like you know, air traffic and like vehicular traffic and like healthcare systems, right? Like attacks that are tuned to exploit the vulnerabilities in AI systems,
2: right? It's like the meta-meta attack,
1: right? And it's like it's like because you become dependent on the good side of AI, you're actually now vulnerable to the to like the bad side, being being manipulated. Um, so, I don't know, did you have any,
2: any thoughts on like sort of like which of these parts of like the changes in the threat landscape um, stood out to you? or The main thing that came to mind was we're now going to have, going back to the Space Force episode, we're going to have a new theater yes. of war, the AI force, <laughs> right? Like, That's true. AI's fighting AIs, oh no, dude.
1: Well, yeah, I know, it's like, <laughs> wait, it's like who, has, who, has, who has like the better set of bots? And I
2: can't even sign up to that force, dude. Damn, that is true.
1: Well, maybe this is where the augmentation element comes in. It's like the AIs versus AI. This is a, this would be a great movie, by the way. Please, original idea, nobody steal. Um, would be uh, like the AIs are like in a deadlock, and the only way to break the deadlock is for them to be augmented by like esports all stars uh, <laughs> who can who can you know turn the tide of war. Oh man,
2: Brave yeah, that's world, that.
1: Dude.
2: That'll probably happen.
1: Um, but the scary so part are, like, here
2: the, for me was. Um, you know, a mix of, like, part, like, number three, which was, you know, the attacks will summarily change in character. I mm-hmm. think one of the examples they threw out was, hey, if we, let's say we get self-driving cars that actually uh, take over a large portion of how we commute day-to-day or travel day-to-day. Um, right. Those attacks can be pretty damaging. And I, I got that. But the, the more short-term thing, which, because I've seen actually videos of these things called deep fakes right yeah uh, where people can mimic speech and video of an individual and you know with a 20 30 second clip of you or myself they can make us say or do anything on video that is like terribly frightening knowing the current political climate and what's already been done with very low level totally. bots right from from Russia in the, the 2012 election so that stuff freaks me out
1: yeah and one of the things that, I, that like it seems like that's going to inevitably happen like it's a deep fix again being like you cannot tell visually that this is not Donald Trump or Barack Obama saying these words. Like it's just that good of like synthetic fake video right. um, or or audio or whatever. And it makes me think like the like the way in which like content is created um, is is like has to now be like you have to almost have like your like maybe think of like the crypto sphere where it's like you have to have like your own like fingerprint associated with this content, right? It's like oh like I have to know that this like it's like it less becomes the fact that you're seeing like donald trump say these words right. and your immediate question will be oh this could be fake so what device recorded this right? right and it's like you have to have like basically like a a public key or some sort of encryption fingerprint that says oh this was a cnn camera or this was like Monix, you know like phone or something so like it's like the capture device yeah. i feel like has to be that'll become like the source of truth yeah, uh, Because like anybody could probably just synthesize anything, uh, probably in a matter of years.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean like deep fakes currently existent. I mean uh, that – I mean it just broadens the definition of fake news in a way that is yeah. very frightening. So that's the one that actually frightens me the most is you know the manipulation of media and our interaction with media and how that uh, changes society, changes politics um, and – Generally, is as a, as a form of propaganda and deception that can be scaled yeah. in, a, in a massive way.
1: Well, I think the other thing that's interesting here, um, and it gets into like the third category, like you said, the meta-meta, which is like AI systems are going to grow in prevalence, like controlling our our cons- you know our consumption habits, like Amazon, like you know name your companies that like are, are in the consumer sphere, like all, like like you know enterprise systems are going to be running on it, government systems, and it's like the idea of like basically uh, like the core of an AI-driven algorithm. Or any sort of algorithm that's data rich is going to be like basically learning from a set of observations continuously, and like you said, through feedback loops, trying to refine um, like basically whatever like the the uh, like the skill is or whatever like the objective tracking is, right? Sure. And so like you can actually, and this is like a really scary thought, you can poison the AI by basically feeding it sets of data or sets of associations that will tune its behavior. Mm. Think about it as sort of like training an infant or training like a dog. Um, to, like, sort of respond or to focus on certain things, right? And you could argue this is what, like, Facebook in, a, in sort of a primitive way right. was was getting excoriated for right. um, by, like, sort of, like, f- dishing up inflammatory news and having the news feed polarize people in the last election. It's because, well, people were responding to that and people were actually feeding the algorithm that input to act that way. Um, and so imagine if there are, like, terrorist organizations or foreign governments that are purposefully actually trying to tune algorithms um to to be
2: to be basically malignant right
1: um and that that that's like a whole different class of information warfare potentially
2: yeah no absolutely it, it, in like in facebook's case it was more like it that the algorithm was out of out of control and was unfettered and you know the opposite is true is where it could be controlled to be that way <laughs> right depending exactly on, depending on the perspective or the actor um Totally.
1: Um, And and so, like, I think uh, that, that, like, you think about ways in which that could affect physical systems as well, which is, like, especially scary. It's like, you know, you could, you know, I don't know. It's like you have some sort of system that is controlling machinery or aircraft or something that, you know, is basically, you know, surreptitiously getting fed bad information or bad associations and ends up making some sort of weird decision that you didn't predict, right? Because it's not like a, it's not a system that you understand every one of the possible things it could do you know on a sheet of paper right it's continuously learning and changing it's it's like it's patterns of behavior and so like um you could actually start you can imagine a scenario where this happens slowly over time right a very sophisticated actor um poisons it you know kind of piece by piece right
2: um and that uh, brings us to like the conversation around the regulation of ai and you know that the the, the argument I resonated a lot here uh, was, again, back to Elon and his view on regulation of AI, where he basically stated most of our regulation that we build, um, at least here in the States, is usually a reaction to when something goes wrong. Um, let's take seatbelts, for example, right? We had a lot of accidents in cars, and therefore now we introduce regulations so that every car has to have a seatbelt and people have to wear their seatbelts, right. et cetera, et cetera. And it's spiraled out from there. But we don't have that luxury with AI where you can't wait for... The disaster scenario to occur because it's already way too late. So regulation has to be either done now, or we just uh, basically relinquish control and hope for the best, right? And like, and, and hope it lines up to take us to the next level of the human race.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so, like, I think this is where I was like a little bit disappointed in this uh, OpenAI, like, this, like you said, this forty-person like consortium report, which is like, it seems like. The crux of it is like we don't exactly know what safeguards you can implement right. because we're still sort of in this like Cambrian explosion phase of every big company trying to create new approaches for selfish reasons, frankly. Right. Um, and it's like so if we could just say like, hey, everybody continue being selfish, but like to take you know precautions A, B and C. I think it'd be pretty convincing potentially, but it's like, or you could at least weigh it against the capitalist incentive. Yeah. But it's like, like you said, the current distillation there is like working groups, best practices, and it's yeah. like, that's not going to stop Google or Facebook, man.
2: Yeah. And one of their interventions was promote a culture of responsibility. It's like, yeah, promotion might not be enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I don't think might not be enough. It's like that that uh, the, the soft pressure might not actually curtail any advancement that could be dangerous.
1: Yeah, and I think there was also, like, some sense of, like, oh, try to make, like, if not open source, like, public, like, some of, like, the ways in which these increasingly central services are operating, Yeah, um, which I think is also a bit of a pipe dream, considering, like, they're all, you know, like, I think um, one of the other interesting things that I think Musk said during his interview was, like, um, like, Google is basically a cyborg now. Like it's, it is sort of like loosely cybernetically associated with everybody who feeds it information. Yeah. Um, and like that's an incredibly rich and powerful and you know differentiated thing. And the idea that you're gonna, as Google, you know, open the kimono, so to speak, right. it's like you're not like it. It's increasingly the like it is increasingly synonymous with the with like what Google is as a value-providing entity,
2: yeah. right? And not only that, it's baked into the, the genesis of that company, right? Page and Brin yeah. wanted to make an AI, right? That was the goal. Um, well, they've done it. They've done it. <laughs> they've started at the beginning of the end. Thanks, Google.
1: Okay, Google. <laughs> um. Um, I think, like, one of the interesting things, just to, like, go, like, like, just a little bit deeper on some of the things that they talked about, which I thought were, like, a little bit, again, less superficial, was, like, they do break down the security domains, and you touched on this, that will be affected by, again, the increasing rise of of AIs in terms of like their prevalence and also like their sophistication, even if like, again, they're still in the narrow domain before they become like Like generally intelligent, right? Right. And so like, one is like, it says, okay, so digital security, right? So it's like you think about all the money and all the talk here about cybersecurity, right? And it's like, they're saying that AI can alleviate the trade-off in in the cybersecurity context between scale and efficiency of cyber attacks. So it can exploit human vulnerabilities, so like speech synthesis, deep fakes, like you said, um, it can easily find all, every single vulnerability to windows 10 or os 10 or whatever right just constantly scanning scanning the edge of whatever it can reach for that i mean they probably won't um, find
2: much in windows 10 though right
1: i mean probably not right a boy a boy satya's on it so cortana's uh, got it unlocked dude yeah cortana's got okay this is i guess the last point vulnerable ai systems are probably <laughs> going to be it's like cortana's probably going to didn't get,
2: cortana actually get hacked in halo dude i haven't kept yeah, track of uh, the story
1: but the past is just prologue, man. It's just like you know, yeah, that's gonna happen. Um, so like again, I think we can. Like this kind of touches on like this the sort of like AI versus AI war that that I think is like on the maximal side of this. But you'll probably see more and more like digital tools being used on the offensive against digital defenses. is basically like that point. Right. Um, the second one is physical security, which I think was like you know kind of troubling to read through as well, which is like. You think about carrying out attacks using drones or other physical systems, right? Yeah. Like coordination that would be infeasible to direct remotely, like drone swarms, um, can now be done like trivially if you delegate that responsibility to an AI, right? Right. So it's like all those Amazon copters delivering you tacos and incense. Um, oh, dude. What if they could all be <laughs> all all be suddenly taking it? You know, they all all their lights suddenly turn red and they become
2: evil, dude. Yeah. That would – oh, my God. I actually kind of would want want to watch that. That would be – that would be pretty neat. If if I had to go out, dude, if I had to go out by AI-controlled drone swarm, (laughs) like, sign me up, dude. That's not too bad. That would be unique.
1: That's kind of like what happened to that dude in that mech at the end of the third Matrix movie.
2: Oh, that's true, right? He went out like a boss, dude.
1: The Matrix knows all. (laughs) Um, And then the last one is, like, political security, which is, like, the – so it says the automation of tasks, like, pertaining to surveillance – like persuasion, yeah. touches on again, like deep fakes again, and deception. So it's like, think about this in like the context of authoritarian states specifically, where it's like, you can basically undermine, you can like undermine in like a procedural, like repeated way, like truthful public debates. You can basically just, you can be very effective at finding content that, that would undermine you in erasing it or, or you know, finding ways to manipulate. Uh, basically, like it's
2: it's like fake news on steroids is the way I think about it, Right. And I view this as, for me, this is like, seems like the most near-term threat. It seems easier to create and deliver. The technology exists. We see this, you know, this already acting in in, in, in a less intelligent form. Like this is, uh, this is the future.
1: Yeah. And I think it's just a matter of like, again, like, so I think there's like a couple outcomes to that, right? One is like, we have this like real robust, like uh, counter, sort of countervailing strand that's like, giving us the tools to be able to rigorously engage and, you know, separate the the fake from the not fake yep. and, you know, really deal with it, like, head-on. The thing that I, I do worry about as the, like, possible alternative, which I, I worry is, like, likely, is, like, everything, again, things like synthetic video and, you know, fake audio becomes so prevalent that people just assume everything is fake, right? And, like, you basically yeah. have to get, like, triple verification from anything or somebody has to basically... Like grab you by the shoulders and tell you this is not fake for you to believe any set of news. Yeah, like right. literally
2: seeing is not believing anymore. Right. Exactly. Like, <laughs> uh, and, and we um, we see that right now, right? We, we we see this inherent distrust of what people view online, um, and that's kind of spurned out multiple political movements already. Yeah, totally. And
1: I, there's there's just like um I might we might have mentioned this on a prior cast, but. Um, like I think, like as the Russia stuff was swirling like last year in full force, uh, and like even the prior year, um, like somebody said, like sort of like if you think about Soviet policy towards the media, um, like there was a really resonant remark, which was like the thing that they did so brilliantly, um, which was like perhaps irreversible in terms of its you know corrosiveness, was they they didn't try to simply erase the press or erase the media, like the government, the regime. Yeah. They basically just introduce doubt at every phase. Right, so right. You, you, you now just have this lingering sense of like, well, is this actually true? Like they kind of like, they kind of poisoned the very idea of truth from the media um, through like constant and persistent like subversion. Um, and I wonder if like the same thing will happen worldwide not just in like you know you know specific regimes like in the USSR um, because of AI right and because
2: of like yeah. basically political threats yeah the emails um, though man
1: yeah I mean the emails man the emails, emails her emails <laughs> um, and uh, I, another another cool word buzzword that came out of this was that the US DoD has. Um, in the in the digital domain, this this strategy called the third offset strategy, yes, which ours. is human human machine symbiosis to achieve military objectives. Um, so, you know the, the the symbiosis thread might actually have some some legs to it. Um, so we'll see. I am worried maybe about, about that. Though the I machines. mean, like
2: we think about um, human machine interaction, like it, it, mm-hmm. there's this, there's multiple strains here. Like one is. Uh, the biological and genetic strain, which is we'll manipulate our genes to achieve another level of um, Gattaca. Yeah, gattaca S type human species, right? We manipulate our genes to run faster, jump higher, think more effectively, live longer. Or we use AI to understand what are the things in the human body that cause the aging process to exist and how do we You know, reverse engineer that, or build something that discounts that. But the other factor that I don't think any of this discuss discussed. I think you probably know where I'm going with this is kind of the economic cost to be part of the next wave, right? Like to to purchase um, anything from genetic manipulation to purchasing machine human symbiosis. There's going to be a relevant cost associated with this, which will be very interesting to how that ends up being productized or produced or commercialized. Um, And that, I think, is a very scary future, too, even with the seemingly less, uh, actually, the more appealing path, which is we are directly in control of the evolution of AI because we're, you know, if we can't beat it, we join it. Even inherent to that, I think there's a a lot of societal issues that can arise from the ability for folks to either partake in that type of future or not. Um, And you have this concept of the spatial divide, right? Uh, Ted Kaczynski. Ted Kaczynski, dude. Industrial society in its future, a really terrible person, but wrote this uh, pretty interesting essay. Uh, and his his whole concept was basically stating, you know what, we are going down this path of industrial society and there's only one eventuality. He always framed it in terms of uh, genetic ma- manipulation, of there's going to be a time where technology is going to improve us in, in really clear, special ways. And That's only going to be allowed to be purchased by the folks who are the most well-off. And the worst times in human history is when humans view other humans as non-human. And we are the the, the eventuality of technology in industrial society is that, that there will be a point in time that will be such a large gap and divide that the folks who are part of that other side of the equation are going to view folks on the other side as non-human, which could lead to a lot of atrocity. And his answer was, stop it. Shut it all down, dude. We're going back to farming. Yeah. Yeah, that
1: was that was really interesting. When you, I think you're the one who like like basically delved into that first among our friend group and told me about that. And I was like, because I didn't really, you know, as a, as a kid growing up, you only heard like the trope of the Unabomber, right? You didn't actually, you know, know like sort of his background and like his. Again, he was it's was really interesting radio lab episode as well about his his kind of odd but like very gifted upbringing as somebody who's like just this yeah. hyper talented kid. Um, and like yeah, his his sort of like brain breaking moment. Not to not to overly sympathize. Uh, you know sort of a a mass criminal murderer but was like this sort of like impasse he came to um, around like what happens when if you combine the capitalist forces at work that are already separating classes today with the fact that like technologically you could widen that gap like by orders of magnitude, right? right? And like you said, you could basically have a class of people like this could get really sci-fi that are augmented by machines that right. are basically a different species. Right. Um, and then you have like the serfdom below, which is just people like us today right. who don't have the means to, to join that ascended class of
2: people. Yeah, and the digital um, it already exists. And we take, you know, going back to Elon's definition of... You know, phones are already the, the manifestation of a human machine symbiosis, right? The extent our phone gives us access to troves of data and, and, and knowledge across the world when folks who don't have access to this type of a smartphone are already far, far behind.
1: Yeah. And I thought like this is it's and it's interesting that he's also um, and others as well are investing in ways to uh, like make that like again like they view I think there's like the the ease of use side of like a company like Neuralink, for instance, right. which is like trying to basically make a direct connection between your brain and computers. Um, so there's like like the one form of like why he's investing in technology like that is oh it'd be really nice to like have like fluid you know real like you know wizard type access to computing that right. isn't mediated through your fingers, right? Um, like whether it's on a keyboard or on your thumbs on a phone. Um, but another thing is there seems to be sort of a moral backing to it, which is, like, we need to be investing in ways to connect to machines because if we don't do that within this span of time, uh, all hope might be lost. Right. Right.
2: right. It's uh, like almost we got to, like, find ways to interact to provide oversight, just to even do the, 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 the exercise of providing oversight. Otherwise, it's going too fast. We can't keep up, dude.
1: It's true, man. Um, Well, you know, as much as we made fun of some of those recommendations
2: in the policy paper, I'm not sure that I have better recommendations. (laughs) Well, one thing, I one question is, you know, um, the unknown unknowns, man. How is AI going to deal with the unknown unknowns? Because, like, Mm -hmm. when we view kind of our own learning and development, I was thinking about, um, you know, how do I acquire knowledge and how do I think about decision making? So, when, when I think about decision making, it's this. In relation of emotion and rationality, right? There's that great uh, Rumi quote which is like, you know, uh, a mind all blade um, will hurt the hand that holds it, right? Basically yeah. saying that if a mind is all reason without any emotion, you, you basically cut yourself. Um, and on the other end, when we think about knowledge creation generally, when there are unknown unknowns and you don't know where to start, usually that knowledge is generative, from interacting with other intelligent sources or other intelligent beings right like i learn from you i learn from our friend group i learn from interactions with others and right. the ai is going to be this at least how it's presented as this isolative intelligence that works on itself and i'm not sure how the horizons are expanded without the 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 relation and perspective with other people or other intelligent forms That's i think why. that is
1: an interesting point
2: um i think like so
1: I would kind of I think about it in terms of potentially two different phases, right? One is like when it's just generally intelligent, an AGI, as we talked about. Yeah. Um, like maybe it does need exactly what you said. It needs to be it needs to be able to contend with other intelligent sources. It keeps us around. It likes engaging with us. It solves problems with us. We can. There's a symbiotic aspect that maybe like marks the next you know sort of phase of humanity and then I think and this isn't necessarily going to be true or it wouldn't be true in the hypothetical even but like maybe once it gets to the ASI phase this the super intelligent phase um, it no longer needs that or um, it no long even if it did need some and this is maybe an interesting you know premise for a sci-fi novel too it's like it does need sparring partners to continue to get stronger and smarter we We obviously won't do because we're like you know way behind it at that point, right so maybe it goes into the universe or tries to make an even smarter version because like it to get like you said, to continue to advance and self surpass yeah. it needs to be able to contend with equally intelligent or more intelligent beings right
2: or so, it keeps us as pets, dude.
1: I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to that yeah, dude. i my 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 dog curly, rest in peace, had a very comfortable life, so yo siri you know,
2: cortana i'll make you laugh dude i got jokes i got i jokes. Know.
1: <laughs> only the most amusing humans get to stick around <laughs> yeah
2: exactly right that's all part of the unwise index plan dude we're, we're this is we're going to give this offer this up as evidence to our ai superlords and say exactly y'all, y'all laughing at this aren't you
1: exactly it's like well you know can you can you absorb fireball nicotine And a chai latte, or sorry, a caramel latte at the same time and see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Nope. Um, Yeah, and it's like, I honestly do think about the timeline here as well, which is like, like, what do you think the probability is that we really start to deeply wrestle with? I think we we all agree with like the political and like the technological sides of like super sophisticated narrow AI. But if you had to peg the likelihood of general intelligence or beyond in our lifetime, what's
2: your over under? Where do you think that's at? Um, I think with how much capital is being poured into AI right now, I'd say 20 years. So you think it's 100% going to happen, and you think in 20 years most likely? I think so, man. I mean, I, I think when you look at the advancements in neurology and neuroscience, uh, well, just generally the commercialization of AI writ large, I think people want to make this happen. I, I'm going to put in 20 years, dude. 20 years is my book.
1: I think that's I think that's that's a that's a pretty bold statement. I, th- I maybe I'm just conserv- more conservative about it, but um, I think it's like still a coin toss of whether or not we see it in our lifetime a general intelligence. I just think it's like just I just have I don't I don't think I've seen sufficient evidence that um, you could have something that is generally intelligent in the way that we talked about earlier, where it can just be you know basically approximating a human intelligence like a like a like a like what you would expect like a Watson or a Cortana to actually be like in the fictional form, right? Um, or, or like a Jarvis in Iron Man, right? It's like yeah. maybe, or maybe it gets narrow enough, intelligent that's like interlinked across enough domains that like it it, it you, you, you just like it's it's approximates it enough that like it feels intelligent. But like I, I don't know, I just don't know if I've seen evidence that like an AGI is is within our lifetime.
2: But I guess for me, it's it's less. <laughs> my answer is less around the evidence and more of what I want. It's yeah. like even you know, I think the world is. Getting crazier on multiple fronts. And, you know, when I'm thinking about this dichotomy of how do I opt, you know, in my lifetime, how would we make a chance where um, one, the lifetime is interesting, but two, we kind of surpass the concept of death? AI seems like our best shot in making that happen versus us twiddling our thumbs and trying to figure out how to approach any form of immortality. So, in in that li- line of thinking my hope is i'd love to have this done in my lifetime even with the risks involved like would you say that would you if if we could make it happen in 20 years would you want it to happen or would you prefer it not to be in your lifetime
1: i don't think I, I don't think i have like a i'm sort of like i guess like in, in the literal sense like ambivalent about it like i i think like it would be cool to see i don't see it necessarily as like the i think it's only the successor or a necessary Kind of like like a piece of the puzzle. If you assume that humanity is going to eventually die out, and this is its logical successor, right? I think like if humanity continues on, like I think it's you know there's not really like a pressure to have it or or to or to ha- or to see it birthed like within our lifetime. But I think it'd be interesting for sure. But um, I guess like I I don't I can't yet I haven't i probably thought enough about sort of. What what, what what would sort of it be its relationship, like, in terms of its its association with us? It's, like, how it views its con- it being a continuation of us or not? Um, mm-hmm. And maybe if I saw, like, an AI that truly believed or truly started to, like, embody the sense that it was, like, the, it was taking humanity's best ideals or best intentions or goals forward, um, like, hand-in-hand with humanity now, but also as almost like a backup package in case humanity goes away. Um like, that could maybe change my mind. Like, that's an interesting way to think about it.
2: I wonder what Kanye has to say about all this.
1: So Kanye, pivoting from one high-level thought to another, um, following our, epi- our last episode, um, has he, he, he sent out a tweet, and uh, I'll just read the tweet out here. Um, so this was after his meeting in the Oval Office and a bunch of chaos that ensued in the media afterwards. Um, he says, My eyes are now wide open, and I realize I have been used to spread messages I don't believe in. I am distancing myself from politics and completely focusing on being creative. Three exclamation marks. So, I don't know, man. I, <laughs> I yeah, find I think it's hard, hard to believe he was somehow duped <laughs> by yeah. all of this. No, I mean, this is
2: part of the plan, dude. this He's the next level marketer, man. He knows what he's doing. This,
1: this is true. This might be the case. Someone made a funny joke. It's like, oh, Kanye saw those streaming numbers come in and realized he had to reverse course.
2: <laughs> Dude, uh, I, yeah, I, I still love you, that, Kanye. I haven't, digested. I haven't digested it yet. Maybe he knows something
1: about AI we don't, and he's like, oh, man, I got I to gotta stop getting in the politics sphere. I got to go, go help Elon and these guys on the AI front.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that, would be a, that would be a conversation I'd love to watch. That'd be amazing if, like, somehow the AI
1: (laughs) gets tuned to Kanye because of his, like, unique blend of antics. And, like, it somehow concludes, like, he's somehow been prevalent across many different political regimes, many different spaces of of music. Uh, He's, like, in politics now as well. He's in fashion. Like, he's like, we should learn from Kanye West. We should model our behavior on this Kanye West. I mean, he's the next fucking Da Vinci dude. Mozart, Steve Jobs, Howard Hughes. Cool. Well, I think... I think there's probably plenty we can go into probably in, in future casts, um, yeah. but this was just a taste. And in case there's an AI listening in the future and we're still alive, this was all just you know anything that seemed like it was anti AI. We didn't we didn't mean it that way, promise. If you can, we're very pro AI, very pro machine god future, willing to be pets.
2: We're willing to be pets. So place your bets on us. Bars. <laughs> <laughs> Bars.
0: Right. with AI, AI, where AI s- serves as a tertiary cognition layer, cognition, layer, cognition layer, where we've got the limbic system, system primitive brain essentially, we've got the cortex. cortex. So you're, you're currently, your cortex and limbic system are in a symbiotic relationship. And generally people like their cortex, and they like their limbic system. I haven't met anyone who wants to delete their limbic system or delete their cortex. Everybody seems to like both. And the cortex is mostly in service to the limbic system. People may think that that the thinking part of themselves is in charge, but it's mostly their limbic system that's in charge. And the cortex is trying to make the limbic system happy. That's what most of that computing power is arched towards. How can I make the limbic system happy? happy. happy. That's what it's trying to do. That's what third layer, which is the AI extension of yourself, that is also symbiotic, and there's enough bandwidth between the cortex and the AI extension of yourself, such that the AI doesn't de facto separate, then that could be a good outcome. That could be quite a positive outcome for the future. really appreciate the difference. It's kind of like, how much smarter are you with a phone, computer, than without? You're vastly smarter, actually. You can answer any question pretty much instantly. Any calculation. Your phone's memory is essentially perfect. You can remember flawlessly. Everything perfectly. Your phone is already an extension of you. You are already a cyborg. Most people realize they are already a cyborg. That phone is an extension of yourself. It's just that the data rate the communication rate between you and the cybernetic extension of yourself that is your phone and computer is slow. It's very slow. And that, it's like a tiny stroll of information flow between your biological self and your digital self. And we need to make that tiny straw like a giant river. Huge, high bandwidth interface. It's the interface problem, data rate problem. Solve the data rate problem, then I think. We can hang on to human-machine symbiosis through the long term. And then people may decide that they want to retain their biological self or not. I think they'll probably choose to retain their biological self. You will be essentially snapshotted into the computer at any time. If your biological self dies, you can just probably just upload into a new unit. Literally.